0: Hello and welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans. I'm your host, Doug Hill. And in this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by neighbor, friend of the family, and the third member of the Hellman family to appear on Conversations. Mike Hellman, father of Jack, season one, episode four, and husband of Jean, season two, the Mother's Day special is with me in my basement studio today to talk about his journey as a sports fan. If you recall Jack and Gene's stories, uh, they involved a fair amount of Michigan State University's green and white. I believe Mike's will feature a decidedly different color scheme. Mike, welcome to Conversations with Sports Fans.
1: Thank you very much, Doug. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation. <laughs>
0: I know you are. Um, it is nearly the beginning of a college football season. I suspect that we'll talk a little college football during our time today, but I really don't know what your, what your um, starting point was as far as being a sports fan. Where does that happen for you? What were some of your earliest recollections?
1: Well, a lot of my earliest recollections, along with uh, you know, my entire sports watching career, center in the area of college sports, uh, particularly college football, but not exclusively. College football. So, my the first game I remember that I really cared about well, it took place in 1976. It was Ohio State at Michigan in Ann Arbor, and I was in my grandma's apartment watching it with my entire family and my uncle who had graduated from Michigan State University. 21-14. Michigan had a 14-7 lead heading into the third quarter, blew it, lost 21-14, and my uncle was very pleased. You know, in most sports, especially <laughs> college sports, rivals love it when their rivals suffer. Yeah. And that was the case with my uncle. So I inherently that day, that emotional day, I, I discovered a disdain for Michigan State <laughs> football, which, you know, has subsided a little bit, and, and we'll talk about why in the future, and a love for Michigan football, despite, despite the loss. That's my, my first memory.
0: Um, so what was it about that game or that, that contest that, that drew you to not only college football, but in particular, Michigan football?
1: You know, it was the hype. It was not just a football game. It was this geographic rivalry between two states. And I was just starting to read newspapers at the time. So I had noticed the week before the Columbus Dispatch had taken out an ad. They used to do this in the Detroit Free Press, our paper. Mocking, they had a caricature of Michigan being beat up or hitting over the head with a Buckeye. And the Detroit Free Press did the same thing in the clubless dispatch, crushing a Buckeye. And I just, that caught my eye. Yeah. I started reading about the rivalry. It was Woody and Bo. It was the heart of the rivalry. And it was just bigger than life, bigger than any pro sport at the time. Because, Doug, you probably remember, the Detroit teams were horrible in the 70s. So Michigan was a bright spot in all of Michigan. I gravitated towards them, and to me, it was a showdown. So it was that. It was an event, not yeah.
0: more than a sporting event. Sure. Um, mercifully, I don't recall how bad the Detroit teams were in the mid-'70s because at that time I was a youngster in Decatur, Indiana, and I didn't even know what Detroit was, I don't think.
1: So. I see. Yeah. So I have a few years' idea <laughs> perhaps.
0: And well, I don't know about that, that. I was but here. I yeah, was here. You, here. Were, clearly, you were here. Um, so that's, that's the genesis of Mike Hellman, uh, college football fan and Michigan college football fan, where does it go from there? Well, you know, from there, it
1: did expand to Mm -hmm. pro sports over the years, but my main interest was always Michigan football, basketball, to a certain degree, hockey. Um, I played uh, a lot of sports, 70s and 80s, three in high school, Uh, basketball, baseball, tennis was probably my best sport in terms of ability anyway. And so I did become immersed in all sports, uh, all different types of sports at the college level, a little bit at the high school level and at mm-hmm. the pro level. But, you know, the foundation of my uh, sports watching career uh, falls right in an I'm an avid fan, and that's my passion.
0: Um, so as a youngster, certainly, you know, there was only one game on TV typically on Saturday, maybe two if mm-hmm. it was a doubleheader Saturday yes. at that era. Um, so moving from watching it on your you know your your grandmother's Magnavox or whatever the the set was RCA or whatever it was yeah. to actually going to a game in the big house when was that first experience for you? oh
1: that's a great question so that that would have been 1986 so 10 years later it was a bounce back year for Michigan they just come off a 6 and 6 season and i watched them beat maryland 20 to nothing it was a great performance it would uh be about eight years before I obtained season tickets and kept those for about two decades. I know it blew me away. I, the size of the state, it's a lot like Tiger Stadium. I mean, you talk about TV really not being all that common in relation to college football, you recall, Doug, mm-hmm. the same was the case with the Detroit Tigers. When they were on TV, it was a big deal. I remember walking through Tiger Stadium. That was probably the most majestic moment of my sports career. Just beautiful color in the seats. But Michigan Stadium, add the band. And probably a little bit more passion, and of course more people. Both uh, just amazing memories—one with my dad, one with my friends.
0: I was going to say, who accompanied you to the U of M game?
1: Uh, a couple of high school buddies. Okay, and uh, they had not been to a game, um, to the best of my recollection, either. Uh, so we were all blown away. We sat in the end zone uh, up high. That's all we could afford uh, that time. We we're just getting out of high school, uh, and they yeah they dominated. Maryland,
0: yeah. Now, you referenced the Tiger Stadium experience with your dad. When did that occur, do you remember, and, and what was what was that like? Yeah, that
1: would have been like 1980-ish. Uh, the Detroit Tigers were playing a doubleheader with the Baltimore Orioles. My dad came here from Germany. He was a big soccer fan. He was not a big baseball fan. Getting mm-hmm. him to play catch was, he was a great dad. He did it. He hated it. <laughs> so it was overcast. He did not want to go. But my brother and I begged, and we went. And he had to sit through not just one game, but two games. Steve Kemp had a really big game. Okay. Um, Jim Palmer got rocked in the second game. The Detroit Tigers and Orioles would have quite the rivalry, actually, in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Um, Could have been a little bit later than 1980. But it was around that time we were young teenagers, maybe 12, doubleheader. We drank it all in. It was amazing color, almost a full house for a doubleheader. Mm -hmm. Uh, Both teams were pretty good, if I recall. And my favorite player was Aurelio Rodriguez. Okay. So some of your – I know you and some of your you know, listeners follow sports very closely. Black Betsy played yeah. third base. Made two errors, though. Crushed me a little bit. <laughs> One wasn't his fault. He slipped on the grass. Yeah. Fell on his butt. Yep.
0: Now, this is maybe an unfair question because it's, you know, 40-plus years later. But mm-hmm. do you have any recollection as to what your dad thought going – walking into Tiger Stadium – that time, I mean, yeah. you said he was not necessarily a baseball fan. He was not, you know, from America, was not native to baseball. What was that like for
1: him? Well, I'll never forget. I, it's a great question. Uh, we were watching warm-ups. Yeah. And it, there was a crack of a bat, and one of the um, Tigers uh, slid to catch the ball. And they, the crowd, they roared, not like as if it was game game <laughs> action. Yeah. But that was the first time he heard thirty thousand people, you know, cheer like that. And game. he listened. Listen to that crowd, you know, with his yeah. accent is. And he was he was in awe. Yeah. He was in awe of the the spectacle. He'd never seen a baseball game in person. I'm not sure he saw a baseball game on the TV. It just was not his sport. So.
0: Yeah. Huh. Um, now, talk to me. I know you said you went to the Michigan game with high school buddies. So I'm assuming that at some point here, college occurs. Mm-hmm. Where is college for you, and what is that, what is that like, um, being a college student on a campus with presumably some athletic competitions occurring?
1: Yeah, I, was, uh, uh, I, I moved from high school uh, to Oakland University. Okay. Later on, I had a bit of a Rudy, uh, if you think of back to the movie Rudy, uh, a trip to the University of Michigan because I worked hard at Oakland. Um, had another stint at Drake University in Des Moines and finally got into Michigan for my MBA. And during this time, starting in about 1993, 1994, I obtained my season tickets, uh, went to, you know, just about every game imaginable. Um, prior to that, I went to quite a few games as well. And you can imagine the passion and the closeness Mm -hmm. to the university just increased as I went to the games and then I ultimately went there. Okay. Graduating in 2003.
0: Um, You referenced Drake University. I am familiar with the Drake Relays. Yes. Were you, I mean, um, anything else that we should know about Drake? I know that they now have a pretty solid college basketball program. We see them in the tournament or close to the tournament every year.
1: Yes, so Drake, that was a great experience. My wife and I moved there for my work back in the year 1997. Uh, So when Michigan won the national championship, I actually wasn't in the state of Uh Michigan, unfortunately, and I became a bulldog. Yeah. I received a Master of Public Administration there, and somebody that does what you do probably knows what that is, a lot like an MBA, but it, it really focused on the inner workings of government um, institutions. Sure. Um, great people in Des Moines, very friendly, great program. Yeah. Uh, really enjoyed my time at Drake, and yes, they had a good basketball program there, great stadium, mm-hmm. 6,000 seats, you know, quite a bit of enthusiasm. This year, you might recall, they lost in the last seconds. Yeah. To Miami, a team that made the finals. They were good this year, and they had a chance, but you know, lost in the last. Yeah, second. they've been
0: really solid for the last few years, actually. They if have, I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: they're like you know maybe like Oakland University here. Not thought of much in Iowa. They're overshadowed, but yeah. probably more success than Oakland in terms of getting to the
0: tournament and having a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did when you were in the state of Iowa, did you make your way to to either um, Iowa City or to? The other one's escaping me now. My At friends Ames. in Iowa, Ames, that are going to kill me. Yep. I should know that. So, yes. <laughs> to either of those for a college game of any both, sort?
1: Both. Yeah. Really? So we made, we had friends, as you can imagine, from work in the mm-hmm. area and just really friendly people, as I mentioned. Well, one of them was a graduate of Iowa State, so we went to see many games there. Smaller stadium, a little bit like a, glor- a glorified high school stadium, but tremendous following. Mm-hmm. Very loyal. Uh, I went to see one of Tom Brady's first games as a starter in Iowa City. And Listeners have to look it up. Michigan won something like 12 to 10 in the rain, made four turnovers, managed to win it. Those fans, unlike Columbus, very friendly, Mm -hmm. um, even when they
0: lost. It was a great game.
1: Got to take my wife and, you know, a couple friends from uh, the Des Moines area there. I I won't forget that. That was a really fun tailgate.
0: Um, Certainly it's changed a lot since then with the construction of the hospital there. But have you, just for our listeners, if they're not aware, that before every kickoff now Mm – uh, they have the big wave yep. to the to the ch- pediatric wing, right? They which did. is pretty pretty darn cool it in terms is. of traditions. It's
1: very emotional. Yeah, yep. now, I actually saw a special on that. Uh, it wasn't in existence when we were there. We moved back mm. in two thousand. We've been back in Michigan since then, but it doesn't surprise me. You know, the people there are very family oriented, as you can imagine.
0: Vast majority
1: of them grew up on a farm, mm-hmm. um, and you know, uh, for something like that to uh, to come to be, uh, not surprising at all. And I'd love to go see another game there and yeah. actually be part of that. I guess it's quite
0: the sight. It, it certainly looks like it on television, but again, as we touched on earlier, television does not always capture the full effect of... Isn't uh, it <laughs> so true? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, even with the, the nice 60-inch TVs and the high definition, it's not quite the same as actually being there and having the the emotion that comes with whatever's the emotion, taking place. the sound, even the yeah. smells.
1: Yeah. The, yeah. It, you're 100% correct, yep. It's almost as if we had done this interview via teams, it would be fun. The yeah. mission would be accomplished, but it wouldn't be quite the same as doing it in person.
0: So. Probably not. Yeah. Probably. We, wouldn't, we wouldn't hear the dog barking That's upstairs true. Yes, either. It adds a little color. Yes, yeah, it does add some color. <laughs> we are live, folks. I'll tell you that. Um, so now talk to me about some of the, of the highlights that you experienced while you were at Michigan Stadium those years as a season ticket holder. I'm sure that there had to have been a couple of them that were memorable along the way.
1: Some amazing uh, times. And the thing about, to me, college sports, but college football may be more germane to this conversation because I'm so close to it. It's, it's family, it's friends, and you don't have to like football to have an amazing time at any campus. And I've been to a few of them now, following Michigan on the road. Uh, whether it's the pregame, the tailgates, mm-hmm. the cards, the cornhole, the touch football when I was younger, or just enjoying each other's company and having some last for three, four or five hours before the game. Or the after party, going to a restaurant, a bar in Madison, in Ann Arbor, Michigan State. Uh, it's, it's an event. It's an event that almost anybody can enjoy. Uh, of course, most of my favorite mem- memories uh, were uh, driven on the field. Okay. Uh, during you know, some historic games, but uh, even those, Um, uh, Yeah, I remember in context of what I was doing beforehand for the tailgate and then afterwards. Uh, Obviously, in terms of some of my favorite or not favorite memories, uh, I can remember just the sheer joy in 1997 after Charles Woodson returned that touchdown against Ohio State and clinched a spot in the Rose Bowl to eventually win the national championship. I was there with uh, the folks that uh, I had watched games with for 20 years. And we had been through a lot of close calls at Michigan. And there have been a lot of close calls since. We have trouble winning bowl games. But that year, uh, we won it. Went undefeated. It mm-hmm. doesn't happen too often. And it's, you know, almost like a wedding celebration afterwards. It's just euphoria with your friends and enjoying something that almost, it almost like transcends the sport in that you're just so happy that everyone around you is happy. Uh, so the celebration afterwards is something I'll never forget, and just, you know, the good times with, with my friends and family. Now, on the other hand, I've seen a couple really very difficult games there. Um, you probably remember the 1994 loss to Colorado. Oh, yeah. the Hill Mary, yeah. Or Dale Stewart, from what I think was his 20 year I've never seen anyone throw a ball that far in the final seconds uh, of a game. Michigan was up 26-14 to get that game, and Shea Foster was on the way to go in, fumbled the ball, and me and my posse, we have still not forgiven him for that. They went on to lose on a last second Hail Mary. They tipped off Chucky Wynn. His he had that for an interception. Yeah. Yep. Touchdown. And there were people, I texted you about that, crying in the end zone. Now, my wife, a Spartan, and her friend, they were laughing and clapping. One of the worst. One of the worst moments ever. But even that laughing and clapping from a portrayal perspective
0: mm-hmm.
1: does not compare to my middle son's yet. And what he pulled off in 2010, which was a vulnerable moment for Michigan fans. Uh, Rich Rod was our coach. Uh, We had struggled in 2008 and 2009. But in 2010, uh, we had a real chance to beat Michigan State. We're both 3-0 heading into the game. And Jack, uh, I was trying to brainwash him like every good father does. Mm -hmm. He had his maize and blue on. He didn't seem too into it on the way to the game. He seemed like very quiet, and he was thinking about something. And sure enough, we get to the game. We get in. It's very exciting. You know, they have the flyover. It's the rivalry, and Michigan starts off. They march right down the field, throw an interception. Then Michigan State comes down and scores. And there is this screeching to my right hand side, and these people that I have spent years with, the season ticket holders, go, what? Mike, what in the hell is going on? Jack has removed his shirt. And he is the Spartan S all over his chest. He's standing on the bleachers, and he is just yelling, bring it on, bring it on. And Michigan State goes on to just crush Michigan that game Oh and destroy Rich Rod. And something I have not forgiven him for. Well, I pretty much have, but that was (laughs) definitely one of the worst moments uh, in history. And yet now, one of my favorites.
0: Okay. Well I'm I'm glad that you can look back at it now a decade plus <laughs> later and, and be, took a, decade. be a little more okay with it. Not to um,
1: not to throw though. That well, that one still hurts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well Tough. It, no, it I was at actually my wife and I were at a wedding that night. Oh, okay. one of her good friends, it was their wedding, and the entire bridal party did not arrive at the reception on time because they were holed up in either the limo or some bar or something. Watching the game before they came into the to the oh, dinner. So we all ate late because, so you the, remember. Yeah, because they were watching the game. And then of course, you know, they're in a foul mood for the early part of the reception too. So right. wasn't that good.
1: Yeah, everyone I think and I'm not sure what I've never asked you what teams you've been close to over the years. Yeah. You know, maybe the Hoosiers basketball. If you grew up in Indiana. Oh yeah. yeah. Everyone's got those moments. And isn't it isn't amazing. Sports is one of those few things that if the game's big enough and it's dramatic enough, you always remember where you were?
0: Well, sure. Uh, you know, for me in 1979, it was our first year in the state. We, my family moved up here in 78. Okay. So 79, Indiana State, Michigan State, NCAA oh. basketball championship game. And, you know, I didn't know a sycamore from an elm tree, but I knew that Indiana State had Indiana in the front of the name, and I was going to be pulling for them, even though I was living in the state of Michigan at this time. And, you know, Larry Bird was pretty, pretty yeah. fun guy to watch. Oh, yeah. And um, I came down with a terrible earache early that day, and I wound up watching the first half from the emergency room at Bon Secours Hospital in Grosse Pointe.
1: How could you possibly? <laughs> and then by the time I
0: got home, the game was over because oh, Michigan no. State was really in a pretty good way, you know, most of that game, especially yeah. as we got to the latter part of the first half and into the early part of the second half. So I
1: think they cut it to five a couple but, yeah, Larry Bird was a special player.
0: Yeah, well, we I know that you've got a, a little affinity for him, so maybe this is as good a spot as any to pivot and, and talk Larry Bird and and how you know someone from you know southeastern <laughs> Lower Michigan, uh, born and bred with a little you know layover in Des Moines, Iowa for sure. a, for a spell. How you become a Larry Bird fan?
1: Well, do you remember we had started the discussion with um, some context around Detroit? pro sports teams back in the late 70s, really. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, starting maybe in 76. And the Detroit Pistons, Wings, Tigers, they were all horrible. Yeah. So by default, uh, my brother and I, we started picking other teams to, to support. And, you know, my uncle, of course, had turned me off to Michigan State, so I was not going to root for them in 1979. And I ended up rooting for Larry Bird in Indiana State. And the one thing I liked about him, even in college, was... I don't know if there's ever been an athlete to get more out of his ability than Larry Bird and compete at that level. But I did, you know, they lost that game to Michigan State, but I was supporting Larry Bird. And then when he got to college, or I'm sorry, the NBA, he turned that program around in one year dramatically. I think they won 29 games the year before, Mm -hmm. 62 with Larry. And from there on, I just, you know, developed a passion for Celtics basketball, and it's been maintained this day and that one. Jack and I agree on. It. We've gone to see a couple games in Boston. He's a big Celtics fan as well. Uh, Larry Bird, though, a lot of people don't realize that he was in high school, the high school player of the year, in mm-hmm. college, college player of the year. He was the NBA uh, uh, player of the year three times, then coach of the year, then executive of the year. Uh, he he knows that game. Uh, you could argue that, you know, from a from that perspective, he's the greatest player of all time. Player slash coach slash
0: executive. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, a case can be made for a lot of folks. That's um, true. Yeah, you know, in the uh, in the NBA. But, as a player, but, I
1: don't know. I'd put him in number one, probably more yeah. like eight. You know, you see, I would think he's probably is,
0: is making the top ten, certainly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're overall with the totality of everything. And I had a conversation a few months ago with somebody talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame, and how mm-hmm. there are different categories, and some of these other categories, like as a you know, um, a visionary or a manager or whatever, you're supposed to, as you're making that determination, count some of the other contributions that they may be made. So if they were also a player and a manager, that should be looked at in totality. So yeah. someone like a Lou Pinella, for example, was yeah. was the example that they gave. Lou was a very good manager, and he was a so-so player, but if you yeah. put those two things together, is he Hall of Fame worthy? And I think the contention could be made that yes, he is.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with
0: that. Yeah. And it's and the I, same sport. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and with a case like Larry Bird, you know, maybe the one of the top five, certainly maybe even top three contributors to basketball in, in history. I think if you broaden the the umbrella that we're talking about here and not just focus on player, coach, or executive, then he certainly becomes one of those touch yeah, points.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That would be a good show, actually. It's taking <laughs> people that did well. Before or after their careers, and you know, yeah. help the sport in some way. Arthur yeah. Ashe might be another one. He was a great player, maybe not top ten, but top twenty for sure. But he was a great ambassador afterwards.
0: Oh, he did. Know, a lot of. Did as much for the American kids in the game too. Did as much for the game of tennis. I would say as you know probably anyone else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bringing it to different parts of the country, different parts of the world. Yes. I mean, as you said, ambassador is a great a great term for him.
1: Isn't Isn't tennis is one of those sports. Now, back in the '70s and early '80s, that it was so popular and it was very rivalry based, mm-hmm. and, and it is to a degree now Nadal and but it, back then there was you know a little bit more uh, I won't say hatred but there were definitely some some players that didn't like each other very much from McEnroe to Lendl to Borg and McEnroe, to, you know Connors and Ash. and when Ash beat him in the Wimbledon, my parents I remember so I was really young but. They were so happy Connors lost because uh, of his personality. Yeah. So, anyway,
0: well, you reference playing tennis. Are you a tennis mm-hmm. fan of any sort? Do you yep. still you know watch it? As we record this, the U.S. Yep. Open is underway. Will you be tuning in as the tournament Absolutely. progresses?
1: Yeah, I have watched the finals. Um, it's uh, El now. Um, yeah, he's he's he, he seems to be the next you know uh, number one player. Yep. Nadal's yeah, hurt. Federer's gone, and you know Djokovic is still a factor.
0: Well, they they played. They, they a, play in the final. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they played an epic final at, uh, Wimbledon. at Wimbledon, and then they had an, a, a huge final just like a week or so ago in yeah. Cincinnati, right? Yeah, Djokovic won a three-setter that That's took like Western four and a half hours or whatever. Yeah, right. Yeah,
1: no, that was a great match, and it could be another rivalry for a little bit. But yeah. you know, that guy, I think, is twenty-three years old, and yeah, I'm not sure, you know, Jokic is going to be around that much longer. So um, <laughs> But we does. should enjoy it while it lasts, because some of these matches are are just epic. I, I when you ask about. Um, you know, whether or not I watch uh, some of the tennis, I watch the majors. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite matches of all time is probably Andy Roddick winning uh, the Wilmington final about five years ago in front of his home fans with all the pressure in the world on him because it was the first time somebody from Britain had won that tournament. That's not Roddick. That's... Um... Not Roddick. It's uh, Murray. Murray. Andy Murray. Andy Murray yeah. yeah. Andy Murray. But he had to play Jokovic. Mm-hmm. I think it was a five-setter. And I was nervous for it. I was. I was up on my... I couldn't sit down and... My family thought they're not the tennis. Are you crazy? I don't care about the sport, but those of us that really do care about the sport, we've played it. We understand the pressure that was on it. Can you imagine? Yeah.
0: Oh. Uh, yeah. Turn to the home whole folks. Country. Yeah.
1: And we talked about USA hockey a little
0: bit. Yeah. Um,
1: you know, there's a lot of pressure on those guys, but there's a team. hmm And tennis is, is a gladiator sport. It's all on you. So yeah. I, I really, I'll never forget that match. Um.
0: You, I think, alluded to earlier as you were talking about college football that you've been to some of the other um, places. You've seen Michigan play on the road a little bit. Where, yep. where, where uh, have you seen them at? And yep. and give us the rundown on, on what you think of these places that you've been to.
1: So my least favorite, uh, not surprisingly, too, was Columbus. I've been to two games there: uh, nineteen ninety four, a loss, and two thousand, a win. I can honestly say both were very below average experiences. Not necessarily because of the Ohio State, you know, alumni, the Ohio State students but there are some uh, fans I think and there are some fans that go there and they are very aggressive towards opposing fans you'll hear that from you know other fans although winning in 2000 was kind of nice we we stayed after the game and chanted 10-2-1 I think that was Cooper's last year Uh, Trussell came in the next year Mm -hmm. I really uh, did not like Minnesota's dome Uh, we were there uh, for a game Um, not a great place to watch a game Penn State Stadium from the outside is not as impress- impressive as people might think. It's kind of an erector set. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't consider that one a, a favorite. Now, Iowa, Kinnick Stadium, really nice. That was a nice one. And, of course, the Rose Bowl, 1997. What a great place to watch a game. The beautiful scenery behind you. Uh, amazing mountains mm-hmm. during sunset. And I don't think uh, it would be one of my top three in-person sporting events. Wisconsin's got a nice stadium. It's nice yeah. enclosed, loud. Pretty friendly people. Madison's a great college town, too. I sure. would say if people want to go to college town, forget about football. That would be you know one of the top three I'd recommend. You know.
0: I noticed that Spartan Stadium was not mentioned oh, in any, in any yeah, way, shape, or form. My Mrs.
1: <laughs> wife, if they listen to this, they'll be a little bit annoyed with me. But I did. You know, Spartan Stadium, I think the sight lines inside are all really good. It's a very steep stadium. I'm not a huge fan of the 100% concrete you know, mm-hmm. concourse uh, area. But I do love the campus. The campus is beautiful. I had a lot of good nights and a lot of fun times there when my wife went there. And I come visit her. Um, a lot of really good festivities, parties, happenings. The During the fall, it was very wooded there. It's yeah. a lot different than Ann Arbor. Um, the, the Leaps Turn, they've got Cedar River there. It's, it is It is very beautiful. And I've got had some good times there.
0: Okay. So let me see. We've got Minnesota, Penn State, Iowa, um, Wisconsin, Spartan Stadium. Do you have plans to get to any of the others? You
1: know, I think maybe as we transition away from full-time, I, I definitely want to hit all the Big Ten stadiums, especially mm-hmm. Northwestern has got a brand new one. Um, Indiana, now have you been there to Indiana Stadium? It does not look incredibly... Oh, yeah. I, now, I'd love to go see the basketball game. There. I'd like to hear your opinion. Of, you know, uh, assembly, assembly Hall.
0: Yeah. yeah, Simon Scott, Assembly Hall, uh, as it's now known, but I... I Refer to it still as Assembly Hall is um, fantastic. You know, it's it. I've not had the pleasure of going to Fog Allen Fieldhouse in in Kansas, nor have I been to Cameron Indoor, one of those old you know Barney types of places. I was able to attend games at Jenison at Michigan State. Um, I, I like the IU. Facility, because as you referenced with Spartan Stadium, or not Spartan Stadium? Which one was it? The steepness of the stadium. Oh, Spartan Stadium. Yeah, Spartan stadium. Yeah, steep. The, the, the steepness of that. I mean, if you're upstairs in the balcony at, at Assembly Hall, it doesn't feel as though you're as far away from the floor as you are because it's. If you ever were at a game at the old Olympia uh, yes. Stadium in Detroit for the Red Wings. You were pretty high up. I mean, mm-hmm. you're you're looking down, mm-hmm. um, but it's it's a great place. The atmosphere is, you know, when they're good, is second to none. Mm-hmm. I've been there some of the times when they've not been so good, and it's been a little blase. Uh, the football stadium, Memorial Stadium, is is fine, but it's it's just a it's a stadium. Yes. It's nothing special. Uh, they've never really had a team that. You move the needle, and if you go there to see Michigan play, you'll probably be surrounded by more Michigan fans than you will, IU fans. Yeah. Certainly the same thing if you're going to see Ohio State play. If you're coming from Ohio, you'll have plenty of company with you because it's not terribly far to, to get there. Right. But but Bloomington in the fall is gorgeous. Mm. I mean, it's in, It's in Brown County, which is just yeah. a, a lovely part of the state. It's, it's worth the drive just to go there to see the fall colors and, yeah. and to enjoy a, a football game.
1: There's got to be a cider mill there somewhere. I would there.
0: think there is. And, you know, the, the, the campus is all built of, of limestone. If you ever saw the movie Breaking Away, the bicycle movie with uh, yeah, Dennis Quaid, and enough. I can't remember yeah. the other fellow who started that one. Uh, uh, one of the, the guys from, uh, oh, the old, uh, <clears throat> and never mind. It'll come back to me when I'm, Daniel Stern. Um, oh. Was in he was in that too, but it's a it's a bicycle movie about these kids who are townies basically riding against uh, the, in the little five hundred, which is a race they have every year in Bloomington a bicycle race. Ah. Um, these these kids from the the town called the Cutters, the ones who mm-hmm. don't go to the the school, and the term Cutters refers to the people from Bloomington who cut all the limestone to build the campus. Uh, so that. there is a lot little animosity, or at least there was mm-hmm. uh, for many years between those two. But the the campus itself is just Splendid because there's these limestone quarries there that they have mined for just these spectacular structures yeah. throughout the campus. It's it really is something to see.
1: So Indiana, you know, uh, of course Bobby Knight was the coach. Mm-hmm. They have had a lot of great games there. I, I can think of a couple with Kentucky. Have you well have you been to one of the amazing games there? And or what is your best memory in that? But that would be if you ask yeah. where I wanted to go in the Big Ten. That would be in the top three in
0: yeah. terms of. I've been to to two games at Assembly Hall. Um, one was a, th- a throwaway game against Nebraska. It wasn't a throwaway. I went with my dad, and uncle, and, and cousin, it was a mm-hmm. good time. But they played Nebraska a few years ago over the holiday break, so the students weren't on campus. It was, you know, mainly you know just community members and others who had tickets. Okay. didn't have the same feel. But I was there in 1987 oh. for their home opener. Alpha. Steve Alford's mm-hmm. senior year home opener against the defending national champions Louisville with Pur- Purvis Allison mm-hmm. and yeah, Denny Denny Cr-
1: Smart uh, uh, Keith Smart would have been Very on the
0: smart. team at that time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Denny um, Crum was still the coach at, wow. uh, at Louisville, and 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 Knight was the coach at IU. And my dad, uh, one of his good friends from uh, his early years, had season tickets, and they were on the floor. Our feet were on assembly hall floor um, awesome. in, in the corner. And, of that's course, awesome. of course, I was a, a, a snot-nosed high schooler at the time or whatever, a college freshman, I guess. And I recall telling my dad that I was really upset because I couldn't see the warm-ups because the cheerleaders were in the way. I had to look through oh, the cheer team, and I couldn't see the, the pregame warm-ups. But, I see. But, um, all in all, a fantastic experience, an electric in- environment, and if I'm not mistaken, you won that game.
1: Yeah, oh, that's so, even better. Yeah, that yeah, a oh, way to cap
0: yeah. it. But I, I was not there for any of the of the big ones, or the one when they upset North Carolina, obviously, and they stormed the court on the uh, the Big Ten ACC challenge. Yeah. I would refer our listeners to the Chuck Crab episode uh, from earlier this year. Chuck was the 45 year public address announcer at Assembly Hall, wow. and he had. He has all sorts of stories. Oh, so he he feared fantastic. for his life a little bit that night because of the rush of everybody on the floor, really? and it yeah. was just—he was actually kind of pinned up against the scores table and trying to hold that and keep well, it from tipping over. You know,
1: that could yeah. be a serious thing, as Wisconsin found out. In yeah, the, uh, early, in a very serious situation yeah. that cost some folks their their lives. But it could be dangerous when you yeah. have that much excitement and that yeah. many people in one room.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, so tell me as well, then you, you referenced the Rose bowl. Um, it's on my list of things that I want to see before I leave this, this planet. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that experience like? You're going to see your team, um, yeah. in the Rose bowl and ends up being a, a positive day for the Wolverines. Certainly yeah. not always the case in Pasadena, right. but what can you tell me about, you know, the morning, the afternoon, the lead up to the game, the game itself, and then afterwards, what was that like?
1: Well, I loved the day before. Yeah, it was New Year's Eve, mm-hmm. and I was with my some of my best friends. I've had a, you know, not not what you bring to a podcast normally, but I do have a picture here of all of us <laughs> that attended the game, and we went um, to see the uh, floats the night before. They were in storage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the field itself, you could walk in into the stadium and see the field, and I've never seen a field. I know that sounds like odd, but painted. Quite as vividly as I feel, It looked awesome, Doug. And like I said, the mountains in the background. Of course, then we go to a couple bars to celebrate with other Michigan fans. And some Washington State fans, too. That's who they were playing that year. Yeah. The day of the game is electric. It's like almost surreal. You can't believe it's happening. How do we get to be undefeated? I'm in California. And at the time, I was 30 years old. I hadn't traveled that much. So it was a special trip in that regard. Um... Friendly trash talk with the fans on the way in, and then man, the, the color, the passion of the game was only matched by the celebration at the end. I bring up celebrations a lot because to me, that's what it's all about. We had our, our close friends, my dad's father uh, was there, Mr. Otten. He had, uh, you know, uh, been kind enough to get me a ticket at face value. There were people mm-hmm. in airports begging for tickets um, for uh, hundreds, thousands of dollars. I got mine for 60. And, uh, so all three phases were excellent. I'll never forget it. And so I hang on to this one picture here as, you know, a memento. Um,
0: what a cool experience. Yeah. Really yeah. fun. Um, what was the, uh, wh- when did you arrive? I mean, are you, are you there like an hour before the game or do you linger and, and walk in, you know, yeah, right we t- before or, we or were what's there going on?
1: very early in the morning? Uh, we, we showed up a, couple days early. Uh, like I said, we enjoyed mm-hmm. New Year's Eve the day before. Yeah. But we you know, we got there in the morning yeah. time. And the game, I think, uh, takes place around two o'clock, one o'clock California time. Two, five yeah, o'clock, two, six two, o'clock two, here. Yeah, two, yep. And so we were there nine in the morning. I, we just enjoyed all of it. Went over up the basketball starting lineup, big tailgate with a bunch of guys. And, you know, there's a lot of cigars and some drinking and, you know, some, some Worth, fun. Were, were there libations, there, Mike? There, there were there some libations? libations and, okay. and I did partake in some of that. Yeah. Uh, it was an all-day event. It was one of those days at the end. It goes so fast, really. Mm-hmm. But um, you're exhausted, but you're exhausted in a good way. Yeah.
0: You, know. you, you touched on basketball. Do you follow Michigan basketball, or is it well, mainly football?
1: My first experience, my first memory of Michigan basketball came in, it's, no surprise, 1976. I don't know what it is about being nine years old, but... And what I remember is Ricky Green and Steve Grody and one of the best Michigan basketball teams of all time going on a run of a lifetime in the tournament, Doug. They beat everybody, and boy, I wanted to call my uncle every time they advanced another round and rub it in their face, especially after that football game. But they ran into Bobby Knight, undefeated Mm -hmm. Indiana, and led at halftime by one. They played a good Mm -hmm. first half, but that was probably one of the best teams of all time they ran into, Indiana's uh, Hoosiers that year, and they lost That's my first memory, and I do follow it pretty close. Yeah, from the Fab Five, even prior to that, Michigan um, had some really good teams. Uh, Antoine, Joe Bear, and some really good talent, but with Fisher, they could never quite break through. They'd be highly ranked, Mm -hmm. and they'd choke in the tournament. Um, Until, let's see, I guess it was the Glenn Rice uh, uh, year in 1990, when
0: they won it all. Yeah, that was the... the Bill Frieder team that he left yeah. to go to Arizona State, That's and right. Fisher inherited.
1: Fisher inherited that team, yep yeah. yep. yeah. Frieder was the one who had trouble in the tournament, but yeah. uh, Fisher, maybe the pressure was off him, but that was Mills and Rice and Robinson with the free throws at the mm-hmm. end against Seaton Hall, Hall yeah. and I watched it in a friend's uh, basement, another friend, and so when Michigan made the finals many years later under a B-line, yeah. we watched it in a basement, and they almost pulled that one off against Louisville, but... Yeah. I'm fairly superstitious when it comes to Michigan sports. Okay, so. Definitely a lot of great Michigan uh, basketball memories, but not quite like football. Gotcha.
0: Um, well, Mike, this has been a real treat. Yeah, me too. Thank you, thank thank you, thank you for this. it a lot of fun. For
1: those of you that may listen to this, I beg to get on the show because <laughs> I just love talking <laughs> Michigan sports. He threw Larry Burden, which is a gift to me, one of my favorite players. And oh. I love the way you conduct these interviews. Very oh. comfortable and um, fun.
0: Well, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. We're not going to let you out of here that easily, though. I've, I've added okay. a, a final question yes. to, to the repertoire. And it really it, it is if you could go back in time, mm-hmm. you know, we have our time machines. We're ready to go. Yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or, or, or Doug and Mike's uh, Mediocre Time Together or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. But you can go back in time to any sporting event in the history of sporting events, uh, whether it be one that you did attend yourself or one that maybe you would like to see. Which one do you want to go back to, and why?
1: There's probably a tie between two of them, if you don't mind. But oh, I would say, okay,
0: well, we'll let you go ahead and do it. All right. All okay. Right. So I would say,
1: you know, the first one that comes to mind is 1968, the Detroit Tigers winning the championship in St. Louis. I think they won it against Bob Gibson. Am I right about it? Mickey Lolich? Mm, I think so. That game and uh, close series. Uh, Carnell said amazing pitching. So do we, though, Lolich and so. On. But I'd love to see that. You know. World Series win. I saw '84. I remember that, but not '68. It was a great series with great Tigers.
0: Yeah. Now, why, why? What holds a special connection to you? Because I, if I'm doing my math correctly, you you, 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 you weren't you weren't a uh, you weren't a, a yeah, you a weren't long in the tooth. Just a
1: very performance at Mika Lolich. I think won three games and mm-hmm. Bill Freehan and Horton and all these guys that okay. you know, kind of retired as Detroit became horrible on baseball again. The late '70s, mm-hmm. everything went bad. Uh, so all these Hall of Famers, Elway, you know, was inducted. Into the Hall, they all played at that time against another great team with Gibson. And I just think it would be great to see Detroit in that time period celebrate something when they okay. really needed to celebrate something, just yes. after during
0: the riots. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and you referenced the second being the well, great, being the ever gracious host. Thank you very we, much. We, we, we will allow you that time. one. Yes. I'll
1: talk really fast, but it's that's okay. Nineteen sixty-nine, Michigan, Ohio State, okay. a game that. The game that really set the tone for the rivalry, at least the modern-day rivalry, Michigan wins mm-hmm. um, by, you know, quite a total. I should you know, know the score. It's eluding me right now. But one at Michigan Stadium. Mm-hmm. bow carried off on the players' shoulders. Huge upset. A lot of people thought that Ohio State team could play in the pros. That's how highly regarded they were coming into that game. So um, I would have loved to see that because it was the start of a nice run for Michigan, and it really hasn't stopped, you know, maybe minus the rich red years. <laughs>
0: Oh, Richrod, not getting any love tonight. No, no. Okay. Well, I uh, again can't thank you enough. Thank this you. Is great. I, I hope. I hope this season goes the way that uh, some of the prognosticators uh, think that it will for U of M.
1: Thank you very much. Yes, it should be a good year. But you know, the last time they were ranked like this and the hype was this high, 2007, and they lost Appalachian State. So. I've learned to be humble over the
0: years. Well, good news, Appalachian State not on the schedule this year, although there is another team from Carolina on. I'm going. I'll be there
1: this week. Good
0: deal. (laughs) Thanks again, Mike. Thank you. All right. Conversations with Sports Fans is a production of The Sports Fan Project. Our theme music is, fittingly, entitled Wooden Championships by Lobo Loco. Please visit our website at thesportsfanproject.com for more information and to contact us. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with other sports fans you know and invite them to give it a listen.